We want to thank you, Jonathan. I think uh, Milan joined Sarepta in 1976 or 7 or 8 or 9, somewhere around there. 78. And I came in, uh, I think, 1982. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey of uh, walking with you and you being a spiritual dad to both Milan and myself. You've been there when things have been tough. You've been there when things have been good. And you've always encouraged us and blessed us and thought the best of us. And so we want to just thank you. We want to thank you for being there. Yeah. Jonathan was sharing uh, at, uh, at the team meeting uh, a few weeks ago about somebody who was immigrating overseas. And they had a dog which was 17 years old and was battling to get out of his basket and was really struggling. And they were moving. So they decided that the dog, they would take the dog to the vet and the vet would put the dog down. Because he couldn't get out of his basket. And Jonathan uh, said... You know what? I can't get out of my basket sometimes. We've got a vet in the house. I'm sure we can, we can get one. Greg Reed uh, returned a book that he's had for a year and a half. <laughs> And uh, it's a book by John Piper, and I just want to read a couple of paragraphs, because I think it's going to sum up, well, it's not, it, I'll, let me read it. I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider this story from Reader's Digest in 1998. A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball and collect shells. Picture them before Christ at that great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells. That is a tragedy. God created us to live with a single passion, to joyfully display His supreme excellences, in all the spheres of life. The wasted life is the life without this passion. God calls us to pray and think and dream and plan and work, not to be made much of, but to make much of Him in every part of our lives. Most people slip by in life without a passion for God, spending their lives on trivial diversions, living for comfort and pleasure, and perhaps trying to avoid sin. That's not Jonathan's story. Jonathan's story is he has lived a life of passion. He's lived a life for Jesus. And uh, he's passionate about every aspect of life. He enjoys his cricket. And uh, Andrew has done this magnificent cake. Eighty not out and going strong and still looking as good as ever. 
Last week he was uh, 79 and he, and he preached the most amazing service. That was a six last week. That was a definite six. And that's his, uh, that is Jonathan and he loves everything. He loves, his, he loves life. He loves sports. He loves art. He loves people. And uh, what a privilege we as a community have had of him serving us. And so we thank you. We honor you. If I can ask Joe just to come and say a few words. Happy birthday, Jonathan. When I first came to Sarepta, there was uh, somebody was passing out a basket and with names in it. And in the, in the basket, um, you were supposed to take one of the names and pray for that person. And I was new here, so I picked out a name. Jonathan Leach. So I said, who is this, who's this fellow, Jonathan Leach, you know? And they pointed, this is a big oak over there. Oaks, that's, I guess, because you're like a big tree, you know, I don't know. At Americans, we don't understand all these things. But he says, okay, um, so I'll begin to pray for him. So the Lord really put him on my heart, and as I'm praying for him, I had a vision and the Lord showed me this vision of Jonathan at one time. I was praying about what a gift to the body of Christ. What a gift. What a, a life um, that reflects Christ. He doesn't even want us to talk about him because it's all about Jesus. <laughs> and that's exactly the way it should be. And I just saw, the, the Lord said to me, you know, you see Jonathan as this big tall man, a scholar of note, a, a person who just exudes the love of Jesus. And I see him like this. And he showed me this little child. And I'm a white person, so forgive the dancing, but he was, he was dancing like this, you know. And he was like a little child. He says, that's how I see Jonathan. His, his spirit is wide open to me. He rejoices in the glory of my presence like a child. He has age and wisdom, but none of that really matters. In my presence, he's like a little child. Hallelujah. Let's reflect on what Jesus can do to our life by what we see in our brother. We thank you, brother, for your service. Hallelujah. Jonathan, we received an email from Costa this last night, was it? Costa has a way with words, so here's what he wrote. There are certain things that are highly valued because they are indestructible. Diamonds, gold, titanium, those black boxes where recorded information goes on an airplane, and Jonathan Leach. He has tried to retire at least 50 times. He has seemed to be in decline and thereby worried his friends. He has wandered off and re-engaged, fallen and risen, ebbed and flowed, and the jury is now finally and irrevocably in. He is indestructible, all right. 
We celebrate you today, Jonathan, as a man of passion and fire who doesn't know the meaning of the idea of renewal of one's first love because his love for Jesus has never wavered, never waned, never been compromised. We love you for how you have lived with integrity, everything to which you have called the church. We admire and respect you for the breadth of gospel application you have always exemplified and the generous grace you've always shown other leaders. Happy 80th birthday. May Jesus run you over with fresh grace and glory and bless you in ways you have never known and at levels of which you have never dreamed. With love, Costa and Lorraine. Actually, I'm standing here to speak for the old man. Mkulu, I'm looking, there's so much candles there, I don't know how you're going to blow them. (laughs) Uh, Actually, Jonathan is like uh, our neighborhood, because I never know that he used to stay around at Embo. So all this time, he he was my next-door neighbor, until I knew now. (laughs) So he shared that. And Jonathan, one thing, the story that I remember when I was young, we went to a trip, the missional trip to Mozambique. (laughs) And that missional trip, one thing that stand up for me, because there was a lot of young people, I never see such a reverend pastor Sleeping and speaking in tongues, sleeping. <laughs> and they were so amazed and said, Yo, your pastor speaks in tongues, even sleeping. <laughs> and that was, a, we actually were on the campsite. And that campsite, I remember, it was a croc farm. There was a croc farm. And I was scared of the crocodiles. And then I met Jonathan to make his tent in front of mine. So, definitely, if the crocodile, I'm in between of my tent, so the crocodile will start with Jonathan. <laughs> but after that, I've realized, because Jonathan said, he doesn't care to die. That was not a big deal. If the crocodile come and eat him, that was going to be a nice supper. <laughs> but I just want to honor you, Jonathan. You have been a story in our lives, and we've been sharing about your life, and it's been a privilege to look to such old men like you to help us to go in the right way of direction of knowing the Lord. I want to honor you and may Lord bless you on your eighth birthday. And I will see if you're going to be able to blow this eighty. Thank you. So for, um, I think for Jonathan, and I've, we've heard already from, from Joshua and from Joe, that I think Jonathan is uh, uncomfortable with the, with the attention and the praise because it's actually all about Jesus. And in Jonathan's preach last week, he quoted Paul where Paul said, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And, uh, and when I think of Jonathan and Jane, um, I think of, uh, of faithfulness. We, we've been at Sarepta 
the Reed family for 30 years. And, and Jonathan and Jane are examples of obedience and faithfulness. And, uh, and that's actually what God calls each of us to. Wherever, whatever God has called us to, and we each have unique specific callings, it's obedience and faithfulness that, uh, that, that brings that gift to full maturity. And I can say that for the Reed family, um, we, we joined the church. Um, I was a teenager with my parents, and I wouldn't be here today. And I know my mom and dad wouldn't be uh, in the place that they are right now, serving the Lord, if it wasn't for Ken and Faye and Jonathan and Jane. Um, I did these banners here. I just want to read this one. Uh, We are in this world to love and find a love greater than that known by angels in heaven. I had to leave the that out because it wouldn't fit in. But we are are in this world to love, first of all, and to find a love greater than that known by angels in heaven. And why we know have a love greater than the angels have a love is because uh, the angels... um, Actually, uh, Jesus became human, and, um, and we are, what, Jonathan, saved? What is the difference between us and the angels? That the angels are not redeemed, that's right. We are redeemed by the love of God, by the blood of Jesus. So we have that love that is greater. But to find that expression in this world and... Um, I fell madly in love with Jonathan when I was at school. Uh, I think I was about 16, 17. I was engaged at 17. He was a, we were a bit desperate because there weren't any other women around in the bush. <laughs> so he had to cradle snatch. Um, uh, but um, my darling... I have found a love and something that I, I, I aspire to, to love you. And thank you for all the, uh, for those years we've had together. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, you've been so part of my spiritual walk almost from the very beginning and I just want to thank you for that and also for being an advisor to Women's Aglow in the early days when it still started and you were our covering and I just want to bless you and thank you. Women Aglow is in now 170 nations of the world and God is really anointing and a blessing this ministry. Thank you. So you're part of it too. <laughs> I thank God for Jonathan. Um, it was because he was here that we even came when they were in the school hall. And uh, I know from the Assemblies of God, I know that they've got real preachers that really preach it. And, and I knew Jonathan was here, and uh, well, in, uh, in the Assembly. And um, 
That's why my husband and I wanted to join. But I thank you, Jonathan, for being my advisor. Since my husband died, uh, when I was rattling around in my house all by myself, he, he said, why don't you open it up to, 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 to be uh, like a, a, a have borders? And that was from God. And uh, uh, it's been wonderful. I mean, I haven't been lonely. I've had these people who are all desperate. They haven't got a home. They haven't got a roof over their heads. And, and they come to me, and, and I can minister to them. Jonathan said, it's your ministry. How he knew, I don't know, but God must have told him. And uh, it's, it's just a wonderful ministry. I keep leading these people to Jesus and uh, it's, uh, it's very fulfilling. And uh, I know that Jonathan would never expect you. He's a real leader. He'd never expect you to do anything that he wasn't prepared to do himself. So that, <clears throat> that's a sign of a real leader. And I thank you. God bless you. I'm just afraid I'll get quite emotional. <laughs> we worked out it was some para- para- about in the 1970s. This handsome young man knocked on my door when we lived in Old Man Road in Kloof, selling pots. And I don't know how come, but I ended up by telling him my sad story. And he listened very carefully and Gave me a few words of encouragement. I said, no, Jonathan, I don't want pots. I want a cutlery set. So he arrived with a cutlery set, one cutlery set. There was no choice. And he said, I'm sorry, it's it's in a Canadian cutlery set. They've only got one knife, no big knife and little knife, just one knife. And there you are, there's your cutlery set. So I said to him, well, I'm sorry, I can't pay for it immediately. I'll just pay in installments. That's fine. So he visited me quite often, collecting the installments. And by then I'd heard about the funny meetings that he was going to. (laughs) And he invited me to one, and I said, no, thank you. Not for me, thanks. And I knew Cliff was involved in funny meetings as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Any, in, <laughs> and so um, later on he ministered to both me and my husband and I just thank you for all those years I thank you for those wonderful Friday afternoons that we had of discussion oh Jonathan we go back a long time and you've been there and you have blessed us, and of course you were also involved in Bethel when Bethel started, and the only no Bethelites really here. Any rate, just big, big thank you, big, big thank you for all your input over the years. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you.
okay, Alan has just asked me to tell a quick story, and it was when we used to meet at um, Cluth High School. And um, Jonathan, I don't know if you recall the day you preached, and you were making a point, and um, I'm still not quite sure what the point was, because <laughs> the illustration of the point was far bigger than the point itself. He took himself and he wrapped himself up in the um, curtain on the stage, and the stage had these <laughs> these very, very thick, heavy curtains. Annie, do you remember this? Do you want to come and tell it? Oh, well done. You remember the point. Come and tell the story, Annie. So, so he, he, he took the curtain and, and he wrapped himself up in it. And, you know, it's hanging from up there and he's turning around and he's turning around and he's got one of these um, speakers, speakers, microphones, you know, and he's doing his thing. And then it wiggles a little bit. It's now tight around him. And then there's silence for a while and then he says, I'm stuck. <laughs> Jonathan, three score and two ten, wow. You've really made it, well done. How much, Jonathan, how much have you done for the kingdom of God? How much have you still to do for the kingdom of God? (laughs) I can't find... The words, Jonathan, as I look at you, I look at this magnificent church and I I think of the beauty of it and uh, you were involved with it. The only way I can describe you is a beautiful diamond, perfectly made, with every facet perfectly shaped to the exact size and specification of the jeweler would have make. And I can only just look at those facets as it just shines in the sun in whichever direction it rotates. And there's one facet that I just want to bring to your notice. In the world we live in today, there's no peace. There's no peace. And I've heard so many stories of how you have found peace in the most difficult circumstances. You've been in homes. You've been in government circles. You've been where there's strife in families, divorce, and yet you've left an air of peace in those situations. And you're a man of peace, Jonathan. And all I can say is thank you for encouraging me in the prophetic realm. So may you live many, many years to come. Amen. We have many memories of Jonathan, but I think the only person still here is Ian Hill, who was with us when we went to Okavanga with Padge Murray, and we saw a different Jonathan, because when we went, we sort of made a pact that nobody would shave by the time we were away for two weeks, but Jonathan had left his clothes behind. 
because some of us drove up, but Jonathan went in the plane, the little plane, and they couldn't take all his, all his clothes. So he left them behind. So he had what he was wearing. So he used to have to wash it every night and put it on again the next morning. Also, uh, he didn't want to sleep in the tent because everybody complained about a noise that seemed to emanate from his nasal passages. <clears throat> so he slept next to the fire on a camp bed. But we didn't realize that the camp bed only had three legs because he'd broken the one. So he was lying at an awkward angle and he made a dreadful noise. <laughs> but we had marvelous times around the campfire and Jonathan ministered to us and I felt that that was a time of real special growth in my own life and my walk with the Lord. And it's something that I will treasure for the rest of my life. So thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan, um, I love your face. I love your humor. I love your presence in places like this. Um, you've been at every junction in my life that I've had, emotional or spiritual. And many, many years ago, Colin was still small, when my husband had been locked up in an American prison for three months, I didn't know what to do. I'd come to the end of myself. And Jonathan came to visit me to find out how I was. And I was numb with the, the day-to-day goings-on of our governments rallying with the American government saying, no, he's not coming home. Yes, he's coming home. So he came to visit me, and he said, so what are you doing? I said, I think I'm praying, but I, I don't even know what to say anymore. He said, what, do, what does it look like? I said, I'm, I'm sitting here on my veranda just in the presence of the Lord, and I'm helpless, but I'm aware of, of God being there. And he said, that's it. You be aware that God is God. You be still and know that God is God, and you be the mother of Colin. So he gave me permission to just be dumb in the presence of the Lord, but from that came so much growth and so much encouragement. And when I've gone to him in the past, anyway, that had a happy ending. And brought various doctrines to him. He kind of shakes his jowls and goes, rubbish, Dini, poppycock, Dini, and sent me off with the truth, which is the word. So I love that. And um, you are a delight to us all, honestly. And bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, want to give thanks to the Lord for Jonathan. Uh, he's a constant encouragement uh, and inspiration. Um, you know, whenever I think things are too difficult or we, we're not going to get there, Jonathan steps out in faith and in prayer and 
it's, it's forward again. Thank you, Lord. Um, I remember when Jonathan visited our home group once and he had something all planned out to say and then there was a scripture and in the scripture was I shall not die but live and Jonathan was like so taken with that little phrase and he was taken over by the spirit and he just ditched what he was going to say and he gave one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my entire life about Jesus being the fulcrum of world history and the fulcrum in individuals' lives. And that's how I see Jonathan in Jesus as a fulcrum. How many lives have gone from one side to the other in the kingdom, a complete change due to Jonathan? And I thank you for what you've done in my family's life. I bet you're feeling quite uncomfortable now with all this praise. It's your own fault. Because of your dedication. I know, and it will. But I think we all need you to understand it's because of your dedication and because of your pointing to Jesus that we follow you. But we recognize you for who you are as a creation of God. You were birthed on the day of creation for this time. And I personally am so grateful that you crossed my path. I really am. And thank you for being you. Well, soon after I was birthed, the King of England abdicated. (laughs) (laughs) That just shows how well you do your job. The Wiley Seller is saying, you're doing very well, Peter. And that stems from when Jonathan had a phone call at half past six in the morning to say that uh, Peter was dying. And we were in, in hospital in Durban, and he was there by half past seven. And from that day onwards, he came every single day saying, you're doing very well, Peter. <laughs> Because he, we, he was really, he was so, he guided my husband through to a glorious death. It was, and the, he, he sheltered the family. And it was six weeks of the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, um, You've taken all of us, I think, through such amazing journeys of highs and lows and yours and Jane's wisdom and incredible love and openness have blessed us in the most amazing ways. And one of the things that you have taught me and shown me is to embrace the season, whatever it is that we are in, and to live life to the best of our ability with an open heart and open hands. And you've done that with people, you've done that with the churches, And I really hope that that's something that I'll always learn and live from the two of you. So thank you. Oh, more, one more. Are you sure? (laughs) 
Um, you may or may not remember me because I was quite new in the church. And I left to live in Pretoria for a, a little while. And you sent me off with amazing words. But prior to that, part of the reason why I continued to come to Sarepta was because whenever you stood in front of us and shared the word of the Lord, you shared it, and this morning's um, sermon was also very appropriate. You, you shared it with unconditional authenticity. You have a wonderful sense of humor, so you were able to relate the word in a way that all of us could understand, but you never lost that authenticity of the word of the Lord, and I respected that hugely. And with the wonderful verse that you sent me off to Pretoria with, I also have taken with me, and I hope trying to emulate in some degree or other, this authenticity of the Lord. It's okay to be um, awkward and difficult sometimes if that's what the Lord is expecting of you. But you gave me the, the realization of that through the word that you have shared the Lord's word and the manner in which you've done it. So to celebrate this day with you is wonderful. And I hope you have a wonderful day with all of your family and friends around you. And thank you for the authenticity of the words, Lord. I mean, the word of the Lord. Back to front, upside down, but I'm there. <laughs> well done. Anybody else? Margaret. I just want to thank you, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan's come to our Bible study and given us wonderful teachings, but it's always been very interactive. Um, what I love about Jonathan is that he makes us laugh. And um, that has just been great, that he doesn't take himself too seriously. And I remember one little story he told us. I think um, the church was meeting, and the officers were in the Clarkson's house, and Jonathan was having trouble with the handbrake of his car. And he said, you know, my car is just like a, a dog. I locked it, and it followed me to the office. <laughs> Jonathan, one of the things I'll always remember about you is how you want to go to heaven and how God says no. And I'm very grateful that you're still here to guide us and to, to help us. But also I want to say to you, isn't this much better than a funeral when you're not there and you can't hear all these wonderful things said about you? on to what Margaret said, because I know Jonathan always says he'd rather, he'd rather be gone. Um, I have a word from uh, Jesus for you today, and it's ta-da. You know, when, um, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> um, the scripture that I'm thinking of is when um, the, the, uh, Jesus was preparing his disciples that they were going to be um, persecuted, be da by um, execution or whatever and they say what about John and he said what is it to you if he lives forever <laughs> so uh, that's my word I'm afraid Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> uh, just one uh, just one more story before Jonathan responds so many years ago he had this wonderful bucky which I remember once driving in the back, uh, in, I was in the back holding a fridge. And when you put up the, you, somebody put, you put on the brakes, I thought we had had a crash. <laughs> but there was one time he went to the pavilion, 
must have been when the pavilion was nearly uh, just been built, a very, very long time. And uh, he came out and his bucky was stolen, it was gone, which would never have happened. Nobody would have stolen that bucky. And uh, he reported it to the police and it was, it was missing. Until he went back to the pavilion about two weeks later, and it was still in the same place. <laughs> and he invented the, an amazing story about what actually happened, and people were, were astounded and, and actually believed the story. Yeah, the thief returned it. Jonathan. The good news is this, this only happens once every 80 years. Uh, the phenomenal, uh, f- the phenomenon of this morning is a case of mistaken identity, but never mind. Uh, the reality is I, I am overwhelmed by your kindness and generosity and warmth and affection. Uh, I am gratified by the recognition of my prowess on the cricket field here. (laughs) I made an art form of the place, the position of Longstop. Now, Judith has never liked us referring to sporting activities and she has complained on many occasions that illustrations are male-orientated. So I'm going to explain to Judith what the position of Longstop is. Now, Longstop is on the boundary behind the wicket-keeper. Yes. The the wicket are these three stumps here. Okay, all right. And and the position of Longstop is not arduous because... The wicketkeeper only misses once a match or twice a match, so I made a study of earthworms and got on very well. But every now and then a, a ball would c- come whistling towards me. I would stop the ball because if I had not stopped it, it would have been four runs on the boundary. But there was a problem, and, and, and that is that if I threw overarm, I would hurt my shoulder. So I had an agreement with short, fine leg that if I threw the ball underarm, he would pass it back to the wicketkeeper. And, and so I would then return to my study of earthworms. And I, I do think this is a culinary work of genius. I know it's got to go back to the National Gallery afterwards, but I would ask you all to, 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 to recognize its genius. And it's in memory of a cricketer uh, who made Longstop an art form in Quisling. And uh, as for the return of the Lord, I have a confession to make. I do not. Just caught Anne Hotchkiss's eye. Anne Hotchkiss and these other octogenarians. I was going to say Gareth, but he's stuck on 59. But there's Ian Hill. 
I went to my first octogenarian tea party yesterday. But I'm the junior, Athelie McClay. I had to do the washing up. She's a disgrace. Anne Hodgkins is a disgrace. Jean. She's in touch with mission workers in Pakistan and India and Chile. She's organizing them. No business to do that. I'm looking for an opportunity to withdraw from the front line. And here's Anne Hotchkiss. It's, it's most upsetting. <laughs> but my confession is this. From my heart. I do not expect the Lord Jesus to return tonight. And the word of the Lord to us from the Lord Jesus himself is, I will come when I'm not expected. Time for food. (laughs) Some of you thought we were never going to get there. Let's just say grace. Heavenly Father, we just rejoice in the life of Jonathan and Jane and all they mean to us as a community, all they've done, all the sacrifice that they have made over the years to make our lives magnificent. And so we bless Jonathan on his 80th. We bless him with grace and favor and mercy. We thank you for him. And we thank you that we could celebrate today his 80 years. 80 years not out. Hundreds just around the corner. And so we thank you for the food that you set before us and we ask that you would bless it to our bodies. We thank you for the hands that prepared it and uh, we're going to feast. Amen.